millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 9 of 365 Days. So, I mean, we just had Sexapalooza 2021. Uh, they've, they've finally gone all for it on the cruise ship because she fell off the ship and then uh, th- there was some discussions and then there was some, uh, some sex. There was some sex and let's move on. So we start this chapter with her saying, when I opened my eyes, soft light fell into the room through the closed blinds. Now I'm already annoyed because wasn't it just last chapter where she was like, the automatic shutters blocked out every little scrap of daylight on this ship. And now there's, there's soft light falling through the closed blinds. So, and she says the room still smelled of sex, which is just very unpleasant. Not a great smell to wake up to in the morning. No, no, thank you. So she starts thinking about whether she should have had sex with him last night and whether that was the right thing. And then she goes, mulling over it wouldn't change anything. So that's that, it happened. And then she proceeds to mull over it. (laughs) So I'm not gonna mull over it, guys. Mulls over it for the next six paragraphs. But what she says is that she had been really missing Massimo and the fact that he saved her life when she fell off the ship, indicated to her how important she is to him. At long last, someone was treating me like I wanted. Like, was this always on your must-have quality list? Must save me from falling off a yacht? Like, I'm sure if you fell off a ship with your ex-boyfriend, he would have jumped in the water and gotten you as well. But she says, at long last, someone was treating me like I wanted. Like a princess. Someone valuable and important. Like, he's restrained you to a bed to a car seat. He had sex with a sex worker up against your unconsenting body. No, this is what, what treating you like a princess is. Just the fact that he didn't let you drown is enough for you to be like, yep, that's treating me like I want to be treated. What a ridiculous person. And then she realizes that the only thing that really ticked her off in this situation as in this whole kidnapping her for a year thing, is the fact that he had threatened her family. That's the only thing that she cares about now. The only thing? He had 
kidnapped her, he's drugged her, he put a little implant in her arm, he has written letters pretending to be her, so forgery, let's add forgery to the list of crimes that he's committed. He's dumped people on her behalf, moved all her belongings, seemingly he chucked out every pair of underwear she used to own to be replaced by the Victoria's Secret catalogue, killed a guy in front of her, shot a guy's hands off in front of her, is always angry at what she wears, very domineering, very controlling, made her fly on a small plane when she didn't want to. The list goes on, but no, the only thing she really cared about was the fact that he threatened her family. And then she's thinking, well, I would have escaped if he didn't do it otherwise. So it's like, are you happy about that now? She's a mess. So then Massimo comes in, he's wearing white knee length shorts and a white tank top. And what's the bet she's gonna call him the man in black in the next five minutes? He's wearing all white, but I just have a feeling. (laughs) I just have a feeling. So seeing him, she purrs and she yawns and she stretches out so that the sheet falls off of her body. Cause she's in bed still, remember? And she says she's ostentatiously flexing her body. And she's like, yeah, I love to sleep. (laughs) And then guess what? The man in black rolled me over his hand on my hip and smacked me on the ass. (sighs) Not only is that a terrible way to wake up in the morning, getting smacked in the ass, but also I called it. She called him the man in black, the very same page she said he was wearing all white. Like, is this just a joke? Am I being punked? I think I'm being punked. Blanca is sitting there with Ashton Kutcher watching me read this and just getting getting a huge laugh out of me because this is ridiculous. Oh, and then he's pushing her face into the pillow and whispering into her ear, you're provoking me, baby girl. And she thinks, well, he wasn't wrong there. So she's into it. This is how she likes to be treated, like a princess. What princess gets a face pushed into a pillow and a butt smacked? all before breakfast. What, what, what princess was that? Was it the Disney movie that I missed that all this happened in? So then he starts doing stuff with his fingers and then, oh God, and then pulling his fingers out, he pressed a button on the panel adjoining the bed and the room was flooded with light. As opposed to all the light that was coming in through the blinds earlier. So he says, I'd like to take my pants off and fuck you from behind, leaning you against that window but you're too swollen down there after our night. Ugh. Didn't know that was a, th- a thing that happened. Is he talking about a swollen vagina or, or, or her butt? I don't know, none of my business. But then he says, besides, the guy that's supposed to teach us scuba diving is already here, so we don't have much time. And then he licked his fingers. And he says, come on. Wow. So then he throws her over his shoulders and then he grabs the bathrobe. She's always wearing a bathrobe. Every single chapter of this book, she's wearing a bathrobe and good for her. I love a bathrobe. Nothing better than sitting around in a bathrobe, refusing to get dressed. But she is is pretty consistently in a bathrobe. So then they're heading down a passageway, walking past a series of identical doors. Remember, because it's a labyrinth on this mega yacht. So then they get to her cabin and there's a tray with food on the table and tea, cocoa and milk and a bottle of Moe. <laughs> and she's like, interesting choice for breakfast. And she pours herself some cocoa, which I'm surprised at. I thought she would have gone straight for the Moe because we all know that's her favorite. And he's like, yeah, I already know you like champagne and also cocoa and that. And she's like, what? And he says, yeah, when my people were packing your things back in Warsaw, there were two cups in the sink. One had some cocoa in it and the second was filled with tea with milk. 
Somehow I don't think your ex liked either of those beverages, so I just assumed you liked one of them. So that's why I've ordered you cocoa and a cup of tea with milk. Which has really got me perplexed because what I'm understanding from this piece of dialogue is this dirty bitch went on an international flight. She went on holidays to Sicily, locked up a place for God knows how long. Like she was going away for at least a week or something, right? And she left drinks in the sink. Like, okay, okay. Like, if you're leaving a cup or two in the sink, I get it. You don't want to do the dishes before flying on a plane. But she left the liquids in there, enough for them to be identifiable a week later when the mafia come come in to pack up all the shit. Milk beverages. She left a half a cup of cocoa and a half a cup of tea sitting in the sink. Pour it out and give it a rinse. She didn't even do a rinse before an international flight. Like, I understand it was a morning flight. She was tired. Her body clock was all out of whack for some reason which are still not being explained. Remember how she's like, oh, my body clock's out of whack. And I'm like, why? You're leaving the country that you live in. Why would you be on a different time zone? That never got addressed. And I'm starting to think in chapter nine, halfway through the book, maybe it will never get addressed. But to add on top of that, she was in such a rush that she couldn't pour the fucking milk, milky cup of cocoa down the sink. I hate this book. But then the banter over the beverages ends and he says, I think I'm going to take you... I'm going to lay you on the table and take you. Delicately yet resolutely. And she's like, hmm, all right. So that's what he does. He takes her delicately yet resolutely. And we don't have to hear about it, which is wonderful. We get a little paragraph break and we start a new section with her on the deck. So we skipped over the sex scene. Hallelujah. So she's wearing a wonderful white Victoria's Secret bikini on the deck, like of course she is. And the young man preparing the scuba diving equipment didn't look like an Italian. <laughs> She's always judging people on, on what nationality they are based on how they look or how they sound. <laughs> she kills me. But he doesn't look like an Italian because he had bright golden hair and facial features that made her think he came from somewhere in the East. Like, She has got, like, what's gaydar for nationalities? She's got that. Nationality da is what she has. So she walks over to him and guess what? (laughs) She's going down the stairs and she almost trips and falls into the water again. This girl is so clumsy. Like, I always thought Anastasia Steele and Bella Swan always said they were clumsy, but never actually were clumsy. Now, this girl, she doesn't seem to ever say that she's clumsy, but she is inherently clumsy. She's tripping over everything. She's almost fallen into the water off this ship three times now. And she says, Jesus Christ, I'm going to kill myself one of these days. But she mutters it in Polish. And the young man, who looks like he's from Eastern Europe, his face brightens and he speaks back to her in Polish, being like, oh, I'm Marek, but everyone here calls me Marco. Great to hear you speak in Polish. And she's like, oh, I love speaking Polish. My name's Laura and please call me by my name. Which, okay. At first I was like, is this a a reference to call me by your name or the little Nas X song? But no, she's just saying, don't call me ma'am, call me by my name. Odd phrasing, but maybe that's how it's spoken in Polish. And he's like, so how do you like your Italian vacation? And she says, well, it's not really a vacation. It's more of a one year contract in Sicily and I'm just settling here for a while. 
And don't we all think this is the perfect opportunity to alert someone to the fact that you've been kidnapped? Someone who speaks Polish. Massimo can't speak Polish. We know this. You speak Polish. Get the message to him that you're a victim of a horrible crime and your family are under watch by the mafia. Like maybe just drop a few hints. So then Massimo comes over and he's like, oh, sorry, but I've got an urgent meeting so I can't go scuba diving with you two. And he's clenching his jaw with anger. It's like, why are you being mad at, at her and Marek? You're the one with the urgent meeting. Just postpone it, cancel it, send Domenico. And she's like, a meeting? We're in the middle of the sea, exclamation mark. Like she's never heard of fucking Zoom. She's never heard of Skype. Like, I know the pandemic has changed the way we think of meetings, but we had Zoom and Skype and video chat and FaceTime, all of that shit. We've had that for years now. And she's like, a meeting? We're in the middle of the sea. Like, what are you meeting with the fishes? This bitch. And he's like, oh, I've got a helicopter coming for me. I'll see you in a while. So like, yeah. Why Zoom when you can helicopter, I guess. So then she mutters to Marek, ugh, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. And Massimo stares at her furious. And she's like, oh yeah, Marco is Polish. Isn't that great? This is going to be such an awesome day. And she kisses Massimo on the cheek. So you can tell she's trying to get a little dig in. But I mean, we all know he's not going to be very pleased with that. And he says, I don't want you to speak Polish when I'm around. I can't understand it, okay? And she's like, well, I'd like you to stop speaking Italian. How about that? Which is a great clapback. Very good work, Lord. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And then she saunters off to Marek while he's packing up the jet boat with scuba diving gear or whatever. And she pats him on the back and she says in Polish if they had everything that they needed. And then she's waving at Massimo and she's like, oh man, I don't know if Massimo could teleport or what, but I hadn't even managed one step when he had me in his arms again, kissing me. And okay, well, at least he's kissing her and not slapping her. To be quite frank, I was worried that that would happen. So he's kissing her, grabbing a butt. And then he says, if he touches you, I'll kill him. And we all know he means it. We all know he means it. And then he hops in the helicopter and he goes off to his urgent meeting. And Marek's like, oh, he must love you very much. And she's like, more like control me all the time. Yes, that is very accurate. So then she says how her and Marek are accelerating in the motorboat, rushing through the waves with the engines roaring. And then when Marco was packing up the equipment, the sun was a deep orange in color. So we didn't actually get to hear about how the scuba diving went. We just skipped right over it. And the sun was deep orange in color. Like, okay, deep orange in color, is it? So you couldn't have just said deep orange. Like I wasn't expecting that the sun tasted like orange. Is that why she's specifying that she meant the color orange, not the taste of an orange? 
And so Marek also points out that they're off the coast of Croatia, which blows me out because I thought they were in Italy. I guess Italy and Croatia share a bit of a water boundary. <laughs> Fuck divide, no, I need to look at a map. But I guess, I guess they do. I guess they do. And he's like, oh, I have to get going. I need to be in Venice today. They're in Croatia and now he's gone to Venice. Everyone gets around so quickly. Like I know Europe's small, but surely it takes a while to get from point A to point B, right? So she gets back onto the deck of the Titan and she speaks with Fabio. And he says, there's a hairdresser and a makeup artist waiting in the lounge by the jacuzzi. And she's like, why? And he says, because you're going to a banquet, there's an international film festival in Venice. So, okay, they're close to Venice. Venice and Croatia must be very close. I'm just gonna have a quick little look. This is embarrassing. Okay, I just checked. Okay, Venice and Croatia are like a four hour ferry away. I'm learning stuff from you, Blanca, that's amazing. So yeah, there's an international film festival in Venice and Don Massimo is the majority shareholder of one of the film companies. (laughs) Okay, sure. And Fabio says, unfortunately, you only have an hour and a half to prepare. What with you being so late? It only has an hour and a half to prepare, but, but we've just established Venice is like three and, a, three and a half hours away. Okay, sure. And she's not that bothered by the fact that she doesn't know what the schedule is and that she's getting dicked around from party to party. She just thinks, great, I've been sloshing around in salt water the whole day to dazzle everyone at the party with the dryness of my skin. So she's just worried about her skin being dry. Of all the things to be worried about. And then we get a great little window into what Blanca Lipinska thinks of gay people with just a really, really offensive description of two gay people being the hairdresser and the makeup artist. She says, Polly and Luigi were a pair of stereotypical gays, wonderful, fantastic guys, a woman's true friends, and more feminine than most ladies. <sighs> like, you can't just say they're a pair of stereotypical gays and just leave it, at, leave it at the stereotype. Like, you're creating these characters. You can choose to have them not be stereotypical gays or to call them stereotypical gays because clearly you're stereotyping them. The stereotype comes from you, Blanca. And gays are just wonderful, fantastic guys. They're a woman's true friends because they don't want to fuck them. Like, is that what she's saying? They have no agency of their own. They're only there to be a woman's best friend and to help them look pretty. And also Polly and Luigi are more feminine than most ladies. More feminine than most ladies. Like, what the fuck am I reading? Also, get some more Italian names. Are are we really calling the Italian guy Luigi? And we've got Fabio and Luigi on the same ship. Fabio and Luigi on the same ship. We're going to eventually get a Mario. We might even get a Bowser and a Peach at this point. We're going to get the the whole Mario Kart gang. I mean, if you're going to stereotype gays, why stop there? Let's stereotype all Italians. God, I hate Blanca. And then I guess Massimo's picked out a Roberto Cavalli evening dress for her because it's hanging up and it's got a card on it saying, wear this one. And she's like, oh, all right. It's a bit revealing because it's made of mesh-like material and it has a long wide cutout all the way from the shoulders to the derriere. And she's like, well, I can't wear underwear with this because she's always got to let us know about her underwear choices. 
but she puts it on. She puts on some perfume. She wears some elegant sandals. And then she looks in the mirror and she says she looked mind blowing. The smoky black and gold makeup complemented the tan of my skin perfectly. Gold makeup. That's a bit ritzy. And Luigi's also put some faux hair on her head as well. So she's wearing a bit of a wig as well. So then she has some champagne. She's walking around the boat waiting for some action. Remember how they were in a rush, but now she's just got plenty of time. I guess they made the four hour trip to Venice in in the 1.5 hours because she says that they've hit land. And then she turns around because she hears a familiar voice, but this time it's Domenico, it's not Massimo. So it's Domenico being like, yep, we're in Venice. And he says, oh, I knew that dress would be perfect. You look absolutely stunning, Laura. And she's like, pretty bum. She's like, oh, you're not Don Massimo. But she's like, oh, I missed you, Domenico. And she hugs him and he says, now, now, dear, or else Polly and his girlfriend, Luigi, will have to start over. Meaning that he doesn't want her bumping her hair. But also now he's calling Luigi Polly's girlfriend. Did we, did we get Luigi's pronouns? Did we, did we clarify that Luigi goes by she, her? Because I don't think Luigi identifies as a woman. So you shouldn't be calling him a girlfriend of Polly. This is just bullshit. So she's like, where's Don Massimo? And he's wearing a tuxedo and he's like, uh, he had to. And she's like, oh, fine. Let's just have some fun tonight. And she downs the rest of her glass in one gulp. So then as she's on another little mini boat through the canals, she's thinking, hmm, do I want this year to last all of a sudden or maybe even more? Or was that too much? Did I want to go back to my old life? Blah, 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 blah. She's clearly invested because she's had a million opportunities to escape. But so then Domenico's like, we're nearly there. Are you ready? So she stands up. (sighs) We're nearly there he said, indicating to me that they're still in the boat. And she's standing up on the boat and she's like, no, I'm not ready. I'll never be ready. Why are we doing this? And then she hears someone say, for me, of course. And it's, it's Massimo. And he's on the shore. So I guess the boat pulled up to the dock and Massimo has fantastic hearing that he could hear this whole conversation. Like what an entry. But she turns around, she sees him wearing a suit and she says, my resplendent captor, looking straight out of a fairy tale. I was overawed. (sighs) I'm more overawed by his hearing. Heard the whole conversation while she was halfway down a canal. (sighs) So they're having a little moment. And then Domenico says, Don Massimo, we have to go. They've seen us already. Please, your masks. What the hell's going on here? So Laura's confused. She gets offered a beautiful lace mask because of course it's lace. And so she puts it on and I'm thinking, what, is this a masquerade ball or something? And then paparazzi pull up or they're pulling up to paparazzi. And so that's why they were putting on a mask. Domenico just made it out like they were about to get attacked by terrorists or something being like, we've got to go. They've seen us put on your masks. I was like, oh shit, something's going down. But no, it's just paparazzi. Paparazzi for the Italian mafia and his girlfriend from Poland. The tabloids are going to love this. But then Massimo's posing for the photos. He's got his arm around Laura's waist and he's like pointed in the direction of the paparazzi. And she's trying to look dignified. 
What's the point of having paparazzi if everyone's wearing masks? Was it was a mask the dress code? Like, is it a masquerade ball? Why would you have paparazzi in a masquerade ball? That's crazy. Then they go inside and she says, yes, most guests were wearing masks, which suited me. My own mask gave me the illusion of anonymity. What kind of red carpet film festival wants its celebrities to wear masks? This is crazy to me. Crazy. It would never happen. Do you ever see them at the Oscars wearing masks? They didn't even wear fucking masks to the Oscars this year when there was a pandemic. So then they go and sit down and she says, we were the last people to join that particular table. Waiters arrived a moment later serving appetizers followed by other dishes. And guess what? That's the end of the chapter. (laughs) That's the big cliffhanger. Waiters arrived serving appetizers followed by other dishes. She didn't even specify what the dishes were. She just said other dishes. You'll have to tune in to next week to find out what those dishes may be. What a bizarre chapter break. Bizarre. Domenico's a drama queen for making me feel like there was something going on, but it's just, it's just a masquerade ball, which is a film festival. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And now they're, they're getting appetizers and other dishes and we have to, we have to wait to read on how that ends. Ridiculous chapter. Blanc is homophobic. She is just the worst author in the world. In Polish, English, and Italian. She sucks. <laughs> and I'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 